Yeah, okay. from the smallest room in New York City comes a show that gives you a reason to live. Yeah, we haven't been around in a while, uh, and it's good to be talking about New York City crime again. I don't even have a good reason except to say I, I feel a little stunned by some of the things that have been occurring. I, I was, I swore that when they started telling people not to leave home, that was going to be the end of it for me. I'm leaving New York City. Well, now they want you to quarantine once you're out anyway, so what's the point? I'm not going to do... I, I, the thing is, I think I've already had the stamp virus. Joining me now is retired uh, homicide detective and uh, also robbery detective, homicide and robbery detective, both. It's a pool and a pond. Uh, pond is better for us. And uh, he's out in Fontana, California, joining us again, Ray Schneiders. How you doing, Ray? Oh, good, Pat. Good to be with you. How are you? I'm, I'm good. You know, I was looking over, uh, uh, looking at our... I guess, what what do you call these guys? Uh, you know, officials here, our local officials. You know, I don't think that there's anyone that's less liked in the entire United States than one Mayor Bill de Blasio. And, and you know, that, that America's mayor stuff back in, uh, you remember uh, Giuliani, who was around during 9-11, and then Bloomberg, you know, he... he, he but anyway, de Blasio, you know, the, people elected him, and I guess they in general, obey his dictates, but just, I've never met somebody who will just straight up say, no, I really like Mayor de Blasio. Is that, is that, does that hold true outside of New York? Um, well, in, in conversations that, uh, of course we're, you know, out here on the West coast, we're, we're not as familiar with, uh, Mayor de Blasio, at least on the local news level. Uh, sure. really they'll, you know, you see de Blasio on, you know, more of a, uh, you know, like CNN, Fox, or OAN. And so our perception of him, of course, <laughs> is is not a good one. And uh, right. they like to make a lot of comparisons between, um, between him and, you know, of course, every liberal city here in California, um, you know, is pretty much run the same way. And it's not a, uh, not a coincidence that they all share the same problems the uh lo the, lo the local governments and and a lot of uh major cities and moderate sized cities are one party cities you know and that only leads to trouble uh on sunday as the city's coronavirus case count neared 100,000 mayor de blasio promised to provide new yorkers the truth even difficult information about the pandemic he said, I think it's my job to tell you the things that we're going to confront, including some of the things that are difficult to hear, but to brace New Yorkers for the reality. Now, that's been his tone throughout. He is dire. He has this uh, a tone that is not suggestive of hope in any way, uh, more suggestive of just, you know, get ready, brace yourselves, coming calamity. Uh, it, it's uh, a little bit... Uh, it's a little extreme. It's not likable at all. You know, a lot of because there's more than one way to say that. I know he's got bad news. I understand that. But you know, you could say, uh, you know, hey, look, obviously it's going to be a challenge, but uh, we we think we're up for it. Uh, I, I don't like the way he speaks, and I don't think anybody does. Now, uh, I'm going to continue about De Blasio doing a lot of warning. Basically, it's a lot of orders and warnings, and then he will. Uh, you know, they, he orders you to heed the warnings and then uh, warns you to obey the orders, right? Uh, now, now Mayor de Blasio won't release the key coronavirus statistics, according to the New York Post, despite 
promises of transparency. Here he is. Not going to get into a lot of detail. We'll make sure our team uh, gives you a lot of specifics. But let me let me say, I understand there's all sorts of documents that are being uh, put out there. Some of them uh, accurate, some of them inaccurate, some of them new, some of them old. Uh, I would just want folks, when you ask the question, just realize I'm going to be listening very carefully for whether it's something that has been confirmed as fact or is not fact. So the facts, as I have heard them from uh, folks in my administration, are that we have capacity right now. We have capacity for a foreseeable future. Uh, we've been working with FEMA to ensure we have additional capacity. See, that to me sounds like he's... I. I reluctantly tell you that we do have capacity i don't want to like you know get into detail about exactly what an abundance of capacity we have right now but uh i'm sure it's considerable also in this and i'll get your impressions in a moment ray uh he's talking about the various kinds of documents that you're going to see out there i understand there's all sorts of documents that are being put out there some of them accurate some of them inaccurate some of them new some of them old he's talking about the questions he's getting uh, i would just want folks when you ask the question just realize i'm going to be listening very carefully for whether it's something that has been confirmed as fact or is not fact. Normally, I just answer without. Doesn't that imply to? I would think that that a mayor would always do that. Well, you would think that any question that you know the public or the press, who are not doctors, and are just well, we'll just say laymen in the uh, in the uh, knowledge of this, ask yeah. a question. How could anything they potentially say stump the mayor? who is supposed to be, you know, <laughs> at, at the heartbeat of this. Now, it, it, it's interesting. He, he says he's got information, and yet he doesn't, he doesn't want to disseminate the information unless it's confirmed. Well, who has to confirm this, and where did the information come from? You know, are these, yeah. are these doctors from the CDC, or, or, or are these simply numbers that you don't want to give out right now? It, yeah. it, looks, it looks like it's selective. Uh, disclosure uh, based on one, uh, whether it's information they want to get out. And if it isn't, uh, well, we'll just hang on to that information until uh, my experts confirm it with their experts. Yeah. I mean, the fact checking uh, should not be an issue at this point. And, uh, you know, various documents, some of them true, some of them not true. How do you even know this if you don't have, if you don't know you know, I mean, like, if you know that they're accurate, then why not just go with the accurate ones? We don't need to hear about the ones that aren't accurate. That's fine. Tell us the accurate ones. Yeah. How about all these mirrors in general? Shut up. You're not a doctor. You know? Right. You get up there, give a little speech, and then say, here's Dr. So-and-so. And you step back. In fact, once you just go to Starbucks and, you know, get yourself a scone while the actual <laughs> medical professionals you know, field these questions. Well, they have to be the one, you know, with the hard hat on dealing with it on a, on a personal level. And, 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 you know, de Blasio, uh, he got his photograph taken with some new ventilators that were sent in, for instance, you know, and they have the caption, Mayor de Blasio inspecting some new ventilators. Oh, is he inspecting them? Okay. I, I, what did his inspection conclude? Oh, it looks fine to me. Uh, what, what he's re uh, repeatedly refusing to provide basic statistics about the capabilities of the city's healthcare system as it strains. The front page of the Post for the last two days has had these photos of, uh, 
you know, uh, hospital activity, you know, people in, uh, and, and I'm no problem, you know, celebrating the nurses and everything, but, uh, let's, uh, keep some perspective here. You know, I'm apparently they have, uh, a, a lot of, you know, cases. I haven't seen anybody die because there's not a hospital bed or a ventilator and they're opening up, uh, Barclays center on Monday, I do believe, which will be like sort of an ancillary, uh, a hospital ancillary to, uh, the, the actual hospitals. Uh, Councilman uh, Kaim Douche says, New Yorkers deserve full transparency from our city government at a time like this. This is a pandemic of epic proportions, and we can't even get a basic breakdown of cases within NYC. Now, a state database says New York City's public and private hospitals have just 1,442 ICU beds. Uh, the FEMA uh, puts the number closer to 1,800. Uh, city tallies show there's 840 patients in ICUs, but officials refuse to say how many critical uh, care beds remain empty. I think that another part of this with de Blasio, he likes to, you know, just set a tone. You know, he's just not going to get into details, he says, that are ever-changing. And because it, it seems as if, like, if this is the information here, FEMA seems like a reliable source. Uh, and I would say that the uh, uh, the state database, that's probably pretty accurate. Uh, and and that and it's, if it's not accurate, it's at least official. Uh, I guess these are the documents that he goes or that he feels are floating around with, with some being accurate, some not accurate. Uh, to me, those would seem like official numbers that he should have to answer questions about. Yeah, and wasn't he one of the initial ones that said any type of uh, ban of travel from persons from China was racist and xenophobic? Oh, I'm not surprised if he said that. Um, because you know that those were a lot of the claims, and it seemed to me that there were a lot of things that Mayor de Blasio could have done uh, early on to protect the citizens of New York. And and I'm curious too. Or, I mean, are people bailing out of New York um, because Some of, are. I, I seem to see uh, every time I'm showing shots of uh, New York City, at least here on the West Coast, there's still people coming in. So how bad could something be if people are still coming into New York City? I don't think that is encouraged right now. I'm sure that there aren't any tours of, uh, you know, the World Trade Center right now, World Trade Center 1 or uh, the, the Statue of Liberty. Pretty sure that the, all these things are, you know, not happening. So I don't know why. They, I mean, uh, even Times Square, you know, last I checked, outdoors. And it's... Uh, Here's uh, something interesting, though, the rise in uh, or the, you know, the, the supposed rise uh, attacks on Asians is what I'm talking about, which are supposed to be hate crimes. That I mean, that's really not that many Asian people. But, uh, you know, occasionally, occasionally people attack people and they, they probably often do it for the wrong reasons. Uh, but uh, the rise in the number of attacks prompted New York uh, Attorney General Letitia James to set up a dedicated hotline for hate crimes and racially biased incidents. And if you set up a hotline for something, you're going to get calls. And as always with hate crimes, the, the demand far exceeds the supply. Officials also condemned, and this is from Newsweek, President Donald Trump and other figures for referring to COVID-19 as the Chinese virus or Wuhan virus for helping to create a stigma around Asian communities and fueling these attacks. Now, we're talking about crime, and I'm not talking about politics. I'm talking about the crime that they say is inspired by this, and I don't think that's happening anywhere. But I'll tell you something. 
this this is a new rule that we have because this is uh, from TikTok and it's a compilation of news reports. I believe uh, these are all from CNN and uh, and related, maybe MSNBC. Let's listen. Because you're starting to hear the Republicans, especially Trump Co., calling it the Wuhan or the Chinese coronavirus. They're looking for someone to blame. At least six people have died from the Wuhan coronavirus. The Wuhan coronavirus. The Wuhan coronavirus. The 34-year-old ophthalmologist diagnosed Saturday with the Wuhan coronavirus. The Wuhan coronavirus. The Wuhan coronavirus. Tying coronavirus to China and Chinese people isn't just a racist dog whistle. It's a whole racist orchestra. That's Samantha B. Setting up travel bans for the outside invasion of the disease that's not the, the chinese coronavirus yeah, that they've that's been not the first u.s case of chinese coronavirus the chinese coronavirus uh this is coming as the chinese coronavirus china's coronavirus china's coronavirus china's coronavirus concerns about the china uh, coronavirus uh it's going to come across to a lot of americans as smacking of uh, xenophobia uh, right. to use that kind of term all of those were from cnn msnbc and of course samantha b a trusted name in news, Samantha B, but uh, uh, certainly a prominent name in entertainment as long as they want her to be. Uh, <laughs> I guess Trump, he's off the hook, right? Yeah, and so so they're all, you know, complicit in this and then feign outrage later on when, you know, they decide it's going to be politically advantageous for us to take this uh, position. Uh, yeah, it, I mean, it just... It just it's just the self righteousness oh, like, is just un, uh, oh, un, right. unreal. They understand. I mean, like I like you say, and and those were all CNN reporters, uh, CNN contributors, MSNBC contributors, and reporters and anchors, and uh, the, you know, there not one of them was from the government saying that. That was all coming from well, the the sort of people doing the job that used to be referred to as being a, a, a reporter. So uh, yeah, pretty amusing. Pretty entertaining. What I would hope to see uh, President Trump do uh, following uh, us getting through the going through stage here is that uh, well, we've got in excess of uh, 20 to $21 trillion national debt. Uh, a large portion of that is uh, debt to China. We ought to tally what the bill is for the virus and take that amount off the books and say, guess what? We don't owe you that anymore. What an excellent idea. That is the best idea I've heard all day. I'm sure that they would, uh, you know, I'm sure they would have a response to that. Maybe another virus. <laughs> it's, uh, it's We're talking about biological warfare here. Yeah, we, we, just, won't, we just won't pay them and say, what are you going to do, send Vinny and Carmine over here to collect? Uh, sorry, we're not going to pay it. You're going to come bang on our tables with your silverware? That's right. Shoot all our patrons. Now, it, it, crimes always get contextualized a certain way, and, and uh, you know, that's, that's what happens. So we have here in the Daily News, once again, a sicko, it says, sets fire, sets Hindu flag on fire outside temple. Uh, this is, uh, there's, there's no fear of, uh, I mean, I guess, I guess Indians are broadly Asian. An unhinged woman set fire to a Hindu flag outside a Queen's temple, and uh, cops are investigating it as a possible hate crime. Well, I, uh, it's not an act of, it's not what you would call an act of respect, uh, you know, or uh, 
you know, not not one of profound affection to to burn a flag. Surveillance video released by cops shows one with dark hair sporting a baseball cap, munching on a sandwich outside uh, the Sri Tulsi Mandir on 111th Street near 103rd Avenue, Richmond Hill, about 7.30 p.m. Uh, Now, uh, after a few seconds, the woman takes out a lighter, sets the bottom of a flag on fire, and the fire, it's quickly extinguished. It didn't uh, spread to the building. Worshippers there, uh, and it holds weddings, ceremonies, other events celebrating Hindu culture. Told police the flag honors the Hindu goddess Durga and the Durga Puja Festival, which celebrates the victory of good over evil. So maybe this woman is just... You know, not a fan of Durga, not a fan of the Durga Puja Festival, and not a fan of good, preferring evil. You know, I mean, like, uh, you have to give somebody the benefit of the doubt. If they're eating a sandwich while they set your flag on fire, it's obviously a pretty casual thing to them. Cops are looking for the culprit, asking the public's help in identifying her. And the Hate Crime Task Force is investigating anyone with information has to call Crime Stoppers one 800 1-800-577-TIPS. That's 1-800-577-T-I-P-S. Uh, Ray, uh, you know, any thoughts on, on the Hindu flag? I couldn't even identify it out of a lineup, I don't think. Well, and, you know, in trying to identify, you know, that particular culture, you know, many of these cultures have multiple sects. And what I mean is sexes and S-E-C-T-S. And of course, yeah. At- attempting to follow, uh, you know, who they are and, you know, why they would be doing a certain thing. I, you know, a lot of times they have battles amongst themselves that have nothing to do with the United States whatsoever. I mean, they're, they're, a lot of times they're fighting battles, you know, that go back several hundred years, many generations. and. It's, it always seems that in a lot of these cultures, whoever was in power abused it, no matter who they were. So even though a particular sect will look like a victim, uh, those same people, when they were in power, were doing the same, if not worse. And, you know, it's just, it's just all retaliation. And then you have law enforcement who goes out and tries to connect with these individuals and try to get the straight story. And more often than not, you're not necessarily completely lied to, but you're just given portions of the truth here and there. And, you know, that's why a lot of these things, you know, reach, reach dead ends. Um, it's yeah. sort of like in, uh, you know, while I was working on robbery homicide, um, a lot of times we would have, uh, well, you know, of course, a lot of witnesses, even family members of the victims who saw it know who it is, but they play dumb in the beginning. They don't want to talk to us. Because they want to handle it themselves. So they go out and for a long time they will, you know, be searching for the suspect. And it's only then when they don't find the person that all of a sudden they're blowing up our phone saying, hey, what are you doing about this homicide? Blah, blah, blah. Well, we're, we're way ahead of them on that. Anytime we call them and they don't call us back, we document it. You know, and we say, no, we called you here. We stopped by your house this day. And... So, it, you know, it's real tricky for law enforcement, especially in, you know, in, in, in hate crimes when you got so many different cultures out there and you got law enforcement with limited resources, limited personnel who are even aware and can even go back, you know, several generations to even understand why this flag burning took place. 
Right. So they're like, who did this? And they're like, they have to say like, well, look, it's a long story, you know. Uh, let's let's sit down and, and, and talk about it over some uh, samosas or something. I retired, and this is unfortunate. A retired, a retired NYPD officer was shot during a standoff with police on Long Island. The incident unfolded just before 2.20 when Christopher Malerba allegedly threatened to shoot cops after, uh, after they responded to a 911 call for a man making homicidal and suicidal statements. Uh, the 49-year-old Malerba barricaded himself in his Bailey Road home at one point, coming out and pointing his rifle at officers who shot him. And he was shot in the hand. He ran back into his house, and they uh, took him into custody around 5 p.m. when negotiators finally got him to surrender. A spokesperson for the NYPD confirmed he was a retired officer. He was taken to Stony Brook, charged with uh, menacing a police officer. Uh, it's uh, as as a retired police officer, uh, maybe you have some insight into how this might have spun so out of control that that you know gunfire was actually uh, you know had to be used. First thing I would do in investigating that is finding this officer's last partner, who was the last person or supervisor that this guy worked for, and what were the circumstances surrounding his separation from employment. Uh-huh. Is this somebody who went who went through, um, you know, his entire career and got the gold watch at the end and everything was fine? Or was this somebody who had a tumultuous uh, relationship, for instance, with the administration, uh, maybe been terminated more than once, maybe was injured? And, you know, and, and the problem is, is that this public has these, this perception that law enforcement personnel, if they're hurt, they're automatically taken care of and all their medical needs are met, so forth. They're given, you know, proper amount of time off and so forth. Couldn't be further from the truth. A lot of times, depending on who you are and depending on the injury, uh, it's going to largely depend on your standing with the administration as to how well you're treated in that, in that process. Um, uh. A lot of times, you know, officers will end up being forced to get a workers' compensation attorney just to compel the department to authorize surgeries that are needed. And then they put, they put them through all these different processes. And it's this long drawn out process where they sit around and they evaluate your MRIs and your x-rays and your radiology reports. And meanwhile, you're just getting worse. Right. Uh, meanwhile, meanwhile, you're on pain medications for an extended period of time uh, during this, which can cause addiction. And when you have, for instance, nerve root compression from, let's say, a herniated disc, the longer that um, compression is on that nerve, the more permanent the, da- the nerve damage becomes. If, in California, you're injured, let's say shot, you're too physically disabled to return to work. They kick you out, and guess what? You get 50% of your salary. Wow. That's how the state of California thanks you for your service. 50%. That 50% is tax free. That kicks it up to what about 70 to 72% when you're used to making 100% plus overtime. And then the toll on somebody's marriage, uh, the, the toll on their mental health. Yeah, is, I see. This is a nightmare. I guess there, there could be a great deal of frustration associated with that. It's certainly understandable. I don't know about the, uh, 
I don't, I don't know if coming with guns drawn is the way to handle uh, suicidal threats, but there was a, apparently a homicidal threats being made. Uh, I don't know. Really, that I, I guess the, the reporting on that leaves us with uh, more questions than answers. There is a callous attitude about police uh, officers themselves, as we know. Mayor de Blasio said that the NYPD doesn't need help from outside agencies, despite a growing number of cops out sick amid the coronavirus outbreak. At least not yet, he says. In terms of needing any outside help, we are nowhere near that. When asked if there was plans, there were plans to call in the National Guard. Well, I don't know if we need to call in the military, but uh, you know, some federal agencies are, I'm sure, pre- stretch pretty thin too. But this is the only situation where De Blasio seems to be saying, "Hey, no, no, they are cool. Everything is fine." And I believe that there's over. Let's see, the number of sick cops surged Wednesday. More than 3,200 cops out sick, nearly three times normal. And 230 members of the NYPD are confirmed to have the virus. I thought I saw that confirmed at over 500 at this point in in another headline. So, uh, you know, de Blasio says last conversation he had with the commissioner, he was confident. Plan B was very, very straightforward about how to utilize people differently. And uh, we got a lot of people to work. So police are are, are superhuman, as we know, and uh, they certainly have... uh, you know, immunity to all kinds of indignities uh, that uh, many of us don't. I'm going to move on, Ray, to uh, subway ridership. Uh, apparently, uh, it's overcrowded. Subway service cut in half. Uh, transit officials announced plans earlier this week to scale back transit service across the region because of all the workers calling in sick. And uh, they concentrate the trips to peak hours. Uh, Wednesday and Thursday, some strap hangers, as we call them, they reported trains too crowded to allow for the six feet of distance recommended by public health experts. Not surprising. One Bronx man got so spooked by the crowds on two and five trains. He took to Twitter to accuse the MTA of politicking like it's all good. I left the house a little late to not be in the morning rush around 10 o'clock in the morning, but it was for nothing because when I got to the platform, it was packed with people. That's 51-year-old Hunts Point resident quoted in the post. Uh... Said he waited 15 minutes for the train. It was already jammed by the time I got there. He says it was ass to cheeks on that train, man. <laughs> you could see the anxiety and paranoia in people's faces. Uh, you know, uh, it's, yeah, they, they, they inspire all this paranoia and then cut train service in half. Uh, the good decision-making just never seems to end, does it? No, and, and especially when you, when you go back to the news media, uh, you know, they, they fan the flames of, of fear. And then they turn around and criticize everyone for behaving the way they are behaving. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. They don't even need to fan the flames of fear. Policies alone inspire fear. If I, if I may, just quickly before we uh, sign off here, Governor Cuomo ordered the release of 1,100 parole violators across the state. 1,100 across the state, citing concerns over inmates contracting the coronavirus. Uh, Now, the Department of Corrections and Community Supervision was directed to to start springing up to 400 inmates in New York City and and 700 across the rest of the state. So we've got 400 of them here in the city, and they're all currently behind bars in local jails for low-level technical violations, the agency said in a statement. Uh, 
you know, that could be any violating parole could be anything. It doesn't have to be, you know, a low level technical thing. He didn't get to his office. He was 10 minutes late to see his parole officer or something. Uh, some of it is just a repeat of the crime before. Following an individualized review, the department began canceling any warrant where the individual has identified adequate housing is available and the release of the individual does not present a unique threat to public safety. They're also releasing, uh, you know, 300 inmates from Rikers. This is separately, separately, de Blasio pledged earlier this week to release 300 inmates serving less than year-long sentences for misdemeanors or nonviolent felonies. Uh, and he said there's also plans to release hundreds more in other city facilities. Now, look, I mean, I, I, I'm not a hard-hearted individual. Everybody knows that about me. But I have to say that I do prioritize the general public over prisoners, uh, even if they are just, you know, parole violators or whatever. They're sitting in an area that they are acknowledging is a Petri dish for this virus. Uh, they are likely to get it. The way I look at it is they are likely to have gotten it. And if you have hundreds of presumed sick individuals that you're just throwing out into the public, which, by the way, ironically, they're telling us, yeah, you have to stay inside. Don't do anything. OK, we're going to let the prisoners go. I mean, that's a <laughs> that that is a that's a strange set of circumstances for me. And I don't think it's a good idea. Let them stay in there and have it. They don't all have asthma. They're not all elderly. They don't they're not all high risk. Right. So. Uh, you know, why not just let them sit there and, and uh, you know, be not around the rest of us? Right. And so they're going to release these folks back into society when they were already sequestered under house arrest. And then us people who are not felons who are out, they are threatening to take off the street and put in jail in their place simply because we're going about our daily business. Yeah, yeah, it's it's uh just it's just absolutely uh, backwards. It, it's it's a backward world. I, I I they really I understand you have advocates groups, you have people who who like, hey, we want to make sure that the prisoners are taken care of and all that. Yeah, 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 sure, sure. Uh, you know, you can ignore them as easily as you ignore the rest of us if you just give it a try. And when releasing parolees, you got to remember when somebody is on parole, it means that. They did not finish their original prison sentence. They were released early. If you're sentenced to 15 years in prison for a crime and you serve your entire 15 years, you're just released. You're not on parole because you did your entire time. Anyone that's on parole is in there. One, they're on parole. It's for a felony. If it's a misdemeanor, it's probation. So, Anybody that is on parole was in state prison, not a county facility. Now, those people, it could be anything. Now, granted, there are those parole agents out there that can violate somebody and put them back. But generally, you, it's got to be more egregious than not showing up or even testing dirty once uh, during a, a drug test. There are generally accumulative amounts that of violations that occur before they will actually write the paperwork that it takes to put them back because it is a lot it's actually a lot of paperwork to send a, a parolee back to state prison uh-huh yeah uh it's uh it's a mess that is that's for sure 
uh, I, I appreciate your insights, Ray, on this on this stuff, especially because you know most of us, including myself, we've got no idea how things like that do in fact work. So, a retired homicide detective uh, from Fontana, California, is just exactly what the doctor ordered. Much appreciated. So uh, that's that's the thing that's happening here uh, in the United States of America. I think it's a uh, you know, a, a lot of these uh, people who are dying, they are old, they are feeble, they were just waiting for the flu to get them anyway. I have to agree with you. But I'm not going to say too much about it. We all have our opinions, and uh, you know what? When you're fighting an invisible enemy, who the hell knows what's going on? Uh, I'm glad everything's good out there in California, Ray. Hope you stay uh, on the sunny side and healthy and uh, keep on providing us with great information. Hope to talk to you again soon. Yeah, hope to talk soon. Hope these uh, warmer temperatures coming up will just uh, wipe this thing out soon. There you go. Either way, we're both going to church Easter Sunday, right? (laughs) That's right. We're there. Easter eggs and all. All right. (laughs) Thanks, Ray. And thank you for listening to New York City Crime Report. You want to get yourself together. Is it over?